0: start in a very strange way. I'm going to say, I want to get my insecurities out of the way. Um, I um, I felt God, you know, the, you saw me a lot of my, if you were here in the front, you saw me a lot of my phone and my laptop because I needed to change things as I saw what God is doing. So um, what I normally do is I tell you that what I'm going to say now is on short notice so that if it goes wrong, it's God's fault. And if it goes well, you can come and tell me. <laughs> so this is my insecurities out of the way. Um, and that's serious. But uh, so if it really goes well, you can come and tell me it went well. And if it goes bad, it's God's fault. Um, as, as I was listening to what is God's doing, I felt... You need to really. Second thing that went through my mind, I felt, yes, you guys need to feel sorry for me because I need to come and preach after what's just happened, and it's like almost like gate gatecrash the party which was already going. And um, so, elders, thank you for the opportunity to share. But sorry, my brain had to go there first. Uh, thank you for the opportunity just to continuing being part of what I think God wants to do uh, in our midst this morning. I feel more comfortable. You know going where God leads when when it's in our own congregation I this is a bit new to me doing it and fortunately your family and it's the uncle and he doesn't come often so it's fine um but um, as I was listening uh, it reminds me of of um of the most godly uh, football team on this planet called Liverpool Football Club and um um, and so and I'll tell you now I'm going to use that as an analogy. Uh, so I was standing here this morning and I uh, prayed time and, and, um, and, and I started realizing God is changing things around because early in the week, uh, Moses said to me, he had this thing in his heart that God is uh, preparing the vessel for the harvest for the evangelist, preparing you for, for harvesting and, and for evangelism. And I basically saw it sort of playing out this morning. So Chloe pops up, and she makes a comment. And I literally, you wouldn't see, because I sometimes have good face management. So I stand there, and I'm thinking, did, did, some, did God gossip to her what I'm going to talk about this morning? And you, she will hear just now. So she talks, one of the things she's talked about, the heart being open, and God's like opening our hearts. And, and on my way, your God said to me, it's like, Monty, this morning what you're going to see is like heart surgery on the go. Uh, and it's so like, huh? Like, no, man, that's unfair. And, and, and so, so, as I was observing uh, what, what was happening, this scripture came up. And I don't know how it's going to fit into the rest of the message. And it's this. And I'll get back to the Liverpool thing. Sorry, you're not going to get away with that one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily strips us up. And let us run with endurance, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects perfects our faith. Now I put this scripture up about three minutes ago. So it's not like an I have an exegete for this because it's, it's the first time I'm reading it now. But I was reminded of this scripture as I was looking at you. And this is where Liverpool comes in. Something that's that's amazing about the Liverpool team, if who does know nothing about football? Nothing. You don't even know it works. I will be praying for you afterwards. <laughs> um, <coughs> so, but you will understand the principle. So Liverpool, Liverpool has got a first team and then they've got guys on the bench and then there have got guys that never get even on the bench, but they just sort of around, around, around. In other words, they they they, they, they extended squad, but they've some of them almost never play. And, and so Liverpool's key to success this year wasn't the first team, was the fact that they had so many reserves, that they had so many people on the bench. And there's a guy on that team that is very unique in the sense that he barely plays. But when he plays, he somehow scores. His name is uh, Dorak Origi. I don't know his name, but Urigi is known as Origi. And he's considered a legend, but he barely Plays, but the interesting thing is, you would, you would, if you see the team, everybody talks about Salah, which is the winger striker. He's like the most well-known guy, and then Mane, well-known guy, another striker. Those are the guys that get the goals. Those are the guys that look like they the dudes, and then there's Firmino in the middle, and he's he's the dude because he scores and everybody shouts and jumps on top of him, and then there's this guy that never plays, but when he comes on. When he comes on, some magic happens, something happens, and he sort of. And then there's another guy called, and there's a reason I'm telling you all this, just hear me out. There's another guy called Mino Mino. I mean, he's a, a, Japanese, is it Japanese? It's a Japanese guy. He's even more in the background. And as I was sitting this morning, I, this is the picture I had. I had a picture, it's like, Lord, I feel like, I feel like a Mino Mino this morning. I feel like a Devak Dovak. Is it Devak? Devak like at Divak Urigi this morning, that I'm looking at these beautiful people that are, that are playing on this beautiful field of God's kingdom. And there's a great, great, huge crowd of witnesses that are looking at you. And I'm not flattering you. If you know me well, I hate flattering. I hate it. I hate to receive it, and I hate to give it. If I think you're doing a marvelous job, I'll tell you do a marvelous job or I'll keep quiet. But I'm not going to say, well done, buddy. And when you walk away, it's like, that guy. So I don't do flattery. Not at all. So I looked at you and I felt God's favor on you. Congregation. That you have an inheritance in the nation because of where you are. Because this week past, there was a bunch of 412 four, people all over the world Worshipping here, loving God here, staying in those tents, and you have a unique, you're in a unique position in a small little town, Wellington, that many people don't know about. When I tell people about Wellington, I have to tell them it's not New Zealand; it is actually a town, and then I have to say close to Cape Town, otherwise I have no clue. But God uses you, each one of you sitting here. You might be sitting in the back. You think He's not actually talking about me. I'm talking about you. This. You are actually the first team playing. And you might look at me and say, I'm okay, all the way from Zambia's Omani. You must be Salah, which is right, right wing sort of attacking guy. You score the goals. Guys like you score the goals, you're wrong. I feel like a Mino Mino. I feel like a guy that doesn't even make the bench. And now I don't feel, little, I don't feel insecure. It's not really insecurity. But I want to say, if you're going to start seeing yourself... As somebody that plays on the field, that are part, you, each one, each one of you, making a difference for the kingdom. I was, I was, I was listening to Chloe, and when Chloe was sharing this morning, and, and even what she was sharing here about being faithful, what God has given you, I thought, come on, Chloe. But see, the thing is, I, and I'm not trying to flatter her now, but, but, but the point I'm trying to make is, Chloe already feels part of this now. Even more than if she's not sitting there, and I'm not it's not a conversation we've had before the time. She's not sitting there and saying, oh, it's Klopp and his first team. Klopp is the coach and his first team. She says, Man, I feel like I'm part of this. I'm taking I'm taking part. I'm making I'm making a difference. And the world is selling you something else. The world is selling you that I'm the superstar. The guy in the front, because you're used to concerts. You used to things where you just sit back and there's somebody doing something on your behalf, you observe, you just celebrate. we used to, it. I'm not saying this is a concert. The world sells you that I, my types are superstars. As much as we as church leaders, as preachers are telling you that we're not, it's, you, you struggle to undo that thing. Because you're used to sitting in sports events in the, in the, in the, in the stadium, and you watch somebody playing, and you're watching them, and they sort of the first team, and you just you just there's nobody that goes home. And so you and I, you need to fight that. You need to almost fight that back. That's why we fought 12 and not for 11. So the focus is not on the five that's named in 4:11, but it's about what God does through the 11 is to equip all of us so that we can all be in the game. And so I felt like it was so beautiful as I was, as I was seeing the, the guys on the stage and as I was listening to, to, to Chloe. It's like, yo, and then the testimonies and that lady that came up second, I thought, whoa. I, I'm, honestly, I was like, she's messing up my message, man. I really had it together and you would have probably applauded me afterwards. Now it's a mess. No, joking. I didn't expect an applaud afterwards. But I felt like, Lord, I'm observing. I'm, just, I'm standing there and this cloud, this cloud of witnesses are observing as you and I in faith, some of us coming up and in faith worshiping God even though we don't feel like it. Kenan, is it Kenan? Is how I pronounce it? You don't know. No, Kenan did an excellent job, but Enan is sick. Do You know the Bible talks about Kenan. It's called bringing a sacrifice of praise before the Lord. That's what it's called. That's what that keen in the Bible. There's some of you that danced this morning. There's some of you that did things you thought, I can never do that. And, and, and you decided you, you weighed down by your sin. And you weighed down by your, the realities of the life that you're living. And you're thinking, he's obviously not. He's talking about the guy next to me. And so many of you have already done that. You were on the playing field and you might not even know it by being here and, and just standing there lazing your voice and somebody else hears your voice and you don't even know they heard it. And they go, or they say, yes, if he can dance, I can dance. And so, and so I, I read this and I'm, and I'm seeing God saying, well done, Wellington A.M." You are playing. You are on the first team. And by the way, a Liverpool Football Club is the best club in the world right now. And if you don't believe that, I have time for prayer afterwards. <laughs> and and so, so you aren't... And they call the Reds for nothing. I mean, there's such biblical imagery there. Um, I want to encourage you. Really, I want to encourage you, if I, as I look at that, as I look at that scripture, why is my, oh, there we are, as I look at that scripture, it talks about, as you're living out your faith, as you in faith coming, and something that really was a revelation for me this week, when Andrew pointed out the difference between faithfulness and faith, faithfulness is key to the kingdom, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the currencies of the kingdom, and, and it sort of makes sure that we don't all fall apart, and, and it keeps the things together, but it takes faith to advance, not just faithfulness, faith to advance. And many of you have stepped out in faith this morning to advance to that which God has called you. And as you, as you are, are stepping out in this life of faith, this huge crowd of witnesses are, saying, are looking down. It's like, I could see the witnesses in heaven going like this. And this is an Africana that grew up soaking. And I can even do that. Huh? If you don't know what soaking is, it is a verb. It me, it's, it's this kind of thing, you know? You know, that Afrikaners know this. If you're not Afrikaans, you have no clue what I did there. <clears throat> and, and, and what God is saying to us this morning, as you live by faith, as you step out of your comfort zone, as you step out of that which God is calling to you, that little nudge that God is giving you, and say, oh, I'm the first team. I'm not even in the bench. I'm not benched. I'm not a nobody. No, that's, that's, that's Marnie. That's, that's the, as Paul calls himself, the great apostle Paul, he says, scum of the earth. He's Minamino. He's the guy that might get 10 games in a season. And so he's talking, he's talking to you and he says, let us strip ourselves of every weight that slows us down this morning. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, in 7-8 minutes, tell you how we do that especially the sin that so easily trips us down. And let us run with endurance. And that endurance does not come on our own state because somewhere in the Bible, I can't remember where it says, we run with His energy. We run with His power. Uh, Mike was spoke, I think it's Mike that spoke this morning, or he prayed, he says, the resurrection power. Because we're not dead, we're alive in Christ because of the resurrection. And, And so we run with His energy. And let us run with endurance the race God said before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And I want to hone into that aspect this morning. And you must understand, just so that you, I can share some of my insecurities again, I am making this message up as I'm going. You do know that. Just, just so that you know. Um, and and But I do know God wants me to... To focus on Jesus this morning, and one thing I have learned is that somehow we hear the word gospel, it's like a foreign word to us, I'm going to use another word, it's good news, that's what it means, good news, and so when we hear about the good news of Jesus, if I stood up this morning and I said to you, if I want to speak about the good news of Jesus, like, oh, I've heard that, I'm saved. Because most of our land then, it's like Jesus' job was to save me, and then I need to really live, really try very hard to keep going. And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about, I want to unpack what I believe is the good news of Jesus. And I'm not going to give you, yes, this is the good news. It is. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, write it down, repeat it after me, or repeat it in the week. But this is what my hope is this morning. As I was driving here, and Chloe confirm that this is my heart, my heart's desire this morning, that as I speak, that you maybe take less notes and that God will do an open-heart surgery on your heart this morning and that if you walk out there, not because I was eloquent or not eloquent, it's not possible, I'm Afrikaans, I can't be eloquent, second language, so that you will forget my name, but you will not forget His name. And as you drive out here, That there will be something burning in your heart. You might not be able to say, what is this? But there's a weightiness, something burning on your heart. As if God has done almost a weakness, almost like (sighs) that kind of thing. That God will do open surgery on your heart as you maybe for the first time understand how the good news of Jesus and all He's done for you, actually how does that apply to your daily walk with God, because we need to understand that goodness of Jesus cannot just be summarized about Jesus down on the cross, for my sin, resurrected, went to heaven, amen. Hmm? It's like, that's how we go. But it's much more, because that resurrection power, that Jesus, that Jesus died the death that you should be dying because of the way we live in constant loving God and then rebelling against God because we, we come against what He's called us to do and, and, and we rebel against God and then we turn to God because we live a life of repentance and then we rebel against God. And in that moment, He, he empowers you and he, he, he saves you, but He doesn't just save you. He also supplies or gives you the power to change. And so there's so many change books out there. There's so many how-to books out there. I'm sick and tired of how books. If, the book, if it's the how in front of it, I don't want to buy it. Six steps too, I'm not interested. Three steps, maybe because I can count to three at least. But I'm sick and tired of those things. I to rather read a book that says you can't, but he can. And understanding that. Do because he did. And understanding that. Because I'm sick and tired of just hearing a bunch of theory about the, uh, God took me on this journey many, many years ago. My kids and my family can tell you how it transformed my life. Being a Christian for probably 20 years at that stage, and it's the last maybe 10-year journey, how God transformed my life when I started realizing it's not just about Him saving me, but it's about the gospel, the good news, what Jesus has done, also playing an active daily role in changing me and growing me. And if you can only hear that, Amen. Amen. And so what I want you to realize is because every single day you and I are pounded with lies and what we believe about God is because that's why we sin. Because technically speaking, all of us are actually unbelievers. Because if you are truly, technically, all the time believers, you would not sin. The difference is some of us are ongoing repented unbelievers, we continuously repent of our unbelief, the lies we believe about God, and some of us just never repent, because we think we only have to repent once, of. I've, I've cut the deal with Jesus, I've said a little prayer as quickly as the guy, quicker than the guy's next door, so I was in. And now your life does not show that at all. There's no change in your life. No power. Nothing has changed. You still desire the same things you've always desired. You still go after the things you've gone before. So the, 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 the expulsive power of the gospel has not had an effect on you yet. And I hope this morning that each one of us will respond to the gospel. Some of us, maybe the first time, because we've never experienced Him, never responded to all that Christ has done for you on your behalf. He's done the heavy lifting for you. And somehow we want to do the heavy lifting. We wait under our sins and we don't realize that we can take that sin, that weightiness of our sin and our struggles and our temptations, and we can bring it to Him. It's practically possible. And so I always say to people, and this is one of my favorite, uh, favorite analogies, is this concept of you and I are made in the image of God. If you serve Jesus or not serve Jesus, you're made in the image of God. You don't have a choice. You are made in the image of God. It's a fact. And therefore, there's something you default by default understand. You understand that when you experience pain, suffering, that you know that that needs to be absorbed. You know that that somebody needs to take that pain and do something with it. So you either do something with it, by, by living in shame, regret maybe, unforgiveness, or you blame. You do that pain, and you put the pain on somebody else. Basically what you're doing is you're trying, you, because you are also by default constructed in such a way that you are always looking for a Savior. It's either you or somebody else, or it's actually our true Savior. So when you blame yourself, or when it's shame that you live in, or you take on all that pain, and you almost drowning in it, you're saying, I want to be Savior. I want to be Jesus. I want to be Jesus. That's what you're doing. But it's just like, hey, you make a bad Savior. Some of you are needy. And you think that your wife or your spouse can actually satisfy your need. That's called you want your husband to be a savior. And ladies, you know they don't do a very good job with that savior part, don't they? You want your husband to be savior, that moment when you think he needs to meet all your needs, he makes you happy, he needs to make you happy. And he doesn't make you happy because only Jesus can make you happy. So that atonement thing, so the only way, practically speaking, when you and I are going through suffering and pain, is not to, to blame somebody else, because that's what we're all good at. I know not you. I mean, the congregation I come from, we have lots of shame, blame problems. Apparently, you don't struggle with blame at all. But, but blame somebody else. In other words, you need to pay. When you, don't, when you, when you, when you forgive somebody, you know what you're doing? You're not, you don't turn to you. Don't turn to me. I turn to him. And I say, can you carry that weight? Can you absorb that pain? And then when you come to Jesus and you say, repent, submit, similar concepts in some, some way, submitting to the Lordship, to, we, to your Master, you submit to me and say, Lord Jesus, can you absorb this? I can't, it's just too much, I, I struggle with this Jesus thing. I struggle, it's just, I don't, I don't do Jesus well. I might be wearing sandals, but I don't do Jesus well. So, that's the gospel as simple as that. As having a a real-time day-to-day. Say, Lord, unpack for me. How does that which you've done on the cross for me, how does it impact my day-to-day every little thing? That's why secular psychology has got so many answers because we don't run to the Scriptures first of all because I do believe the answers are there. Let's find the answers there. And it's not, I can't, I, I, this is, I'm going to go on for hours. If I, what's the time? Um, if I have to say, in this situation, that's how God works it. In this situation, that's how God works it. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave you with four G's. And I learned it from somebody else, I'm not this clever. So, I'm going to leave you with four G's. Four truths that I believe. That if you continuously remind yourself, and believe this about God, it will help you with those sinful urges you have, those struggles you have sometimes. Because one thing I do believe, and that is that when you and I struggle with, with suffer, or, we, or we've been sinned against, our default is to turn inward. It's like I, I have low self-esteem, so-called low self-esteem, because I don't think that's a biblical concept. Um, I, I, I have low self-esteem, so how do we fix this? Hey, man, you can go for it, boy, you can go. You're a great guy. You're amazing. That's how we're going to fix it. No, that's not how you fix it. No, that's not how you fix it. Want to start? No, 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 that's, See, we need, to, we need to understand that the gospel is an expulsive. What I mean by this is the, goals, the expulsive power of the gospel. We, who Jesus is and what he has done, the more we learn what he has done, the more we will understand our own realities because we want to determine our own truth if we continuously behold Him as the ultimate objective truth without any fault. And if I can hold the gospel in front of me like this and I can completely see the fullness of that, I cannot sin. So if I believe that if I struggle with control, which I know none of you struggle with, you know, control issues, I need to control everything. If I struggle with control issues, what do I need to self say? Stop controlling, money? No. No. What I do is I turn outwards and I say, God, you are great. So therefore, I don't need to have to be in control because you are in control. God, you are great. So the four that I'm going to say is God is great, God is glorious, God is good, and God is gracious. Those are the four G's. It will help you with most of your sin, most of your challenges. God is great. So what can I do? How can I do it practically? Let's say I'm driving through these beautiful uh, mountains. That could be as practical as, as I'm driving, and it's like, yeah, man, what am I going to do there? What am I going to do there? It's like, I need to find this micromanie. Look at the mountains. Like, oh, you're great. And when I see that, then I don't have to be in control anymore because the, the God that made that surely he can handle this, surely he can, and so when I, when I fear others, when I tell white lies, because the reason you tell a lie is because you want other people to like you, and so you fear people actually, psychologists want to give it a, give things fancy names, they call it peer, peer, pre, what's it? Um, uh, um, peer pressure, that's called fear of man, uh, we wanna, that's another one, what's other fancy, codependency no the Bible calls it fear of man so we redefine words so we can say Bible doesn't talk about it the Bible talks about it so when I when I fear others the Bible says and I'm just gonna fear. no I'm not going to fear you I'm actually big no 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 what we do is we say Jesus is the representation of God the Father right and God the father gets all the glory <laughs> glory means weightiness awesomeness wow like, this is like, it's just, and Jesus represents us, so I take Jesus, I put him next to the person I'm fearing, and I say, how does that match? I look at the person, and I say, oh, you're down there, oh. So we don't say, no, no I'm going to show them, I'm going to prove myself better than them, that's not that's, no, no, let's turn to Jesus, and let's place them next to Jesus, practical, I mean, there's many other ways, place them next to Jesus, and say, how does that compare? Nah they're quite unimpressive huh that guy I've always feared unimpressive actually unremarkable actually now the point is not to prove that that person is unremarkable that's not we're just talking about comparing him to Jesus or whatever third one so when I run all over the place trying trying to fix things trying to live for the pleasure of this world, buying more things because it makes me happy, working harder and looking for for, for for God replacements, which we call idols. And so when we look for these things that will just make me, satisfy me, alternatives, I remind myself that God is good, so I need nothing else. I don't have to look anywhere else because He's good all the time. In Africa, we love to say, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That's like a thing they do often there. God, but God is good. Do you believe that? It's like oh, God, I'm not so sure. I don't know if he's good all the time. You know, when I get a flat tie on the way to church, I don't know if he's so good. Well, that depends. That, you, that, pretend, that depends if you believe that God's job is to make you happy. Because then you will think that. So let's Let's, let's substitute the lie for a truth. And then, and I'm rushing through this because this is actually my message. When I find myself wanting to prove myself to others, sort of you're known to be driven, you're known to always want to be the spark, yeah, I, need to be, I need to prove that I can. And then you remind yourself that God is gracious. God will enable you. You don't, you don't have to prove yourself because you're already paid for what you want to. You don't work for your salvation. You don't, you don't by, by being a cutie boy, a smart boy, smart lady, God doesn't go, oh, now that you're finally cute, I like you more. I love you more. From a place of being accepted, done. We work out our salvation, that's true. It's not like you do nothing. But it's not towards salvation, it's from salvation. And basically, I think that's what I want to say. That we would realize that Jesus, and this is the thought I want to leave, Jesus, and I said this, I know, that's the part I do remember, it's Jesus died the death you should have died, but he also lived the life you can never live, because this Christian life is very it's impossible to live outside of his power. It's just if you think it's easy to live to be a Christian, then I don't know what kind of Christianity you're living. It's difficult sometimes. It's like sometimes it doesn't feel fair to another cheek when you have a few things that you could say. But it's but it's knowing that he that he that he lived the life you and I can never live. And then on top of that. He didn't just die and stayed in a grave. He was resurrected in that power that resurrected him from that grave. And that we struggle. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. But it needs to go from, because our biggest problems need to go from year to year. Do I believe that power is available to me? So this morning, as we, I mean, I'm going to give over to Pete now. As we celebrate or as we remember what Jesus has done by by doing communion as as a congregation together. Will we focus our eyes on Christ and say, Lord, won't you teach me? Start on a journey because there's 110,000 different things I still want to say to you, but I'm, I, I just think it's too much. But I want you start the journey if you've never started the journey of trying to understand or, or learning what, what, to understand what the implications are of what Christ has done for you in every crevice every little corner, every little aspect of your life. And now every, does not matter how complicated your situation, that God is in control. The guy that broke down to the road, God is sovereign, so I don't have to have it together. God is good because he's even interested to solve a little problem like a guy breaking down, and I'm not minimizing your problem, breaking down next to the road with a bucky that God, the creator of the universe, will take time out to say, and the cell phone tower goes, dunk and dunk. It's like, why would he do that? Because he greatly cares about each one of us. And he wants you to walk in the fullness of that understanding of what Christ has done for you on the cross. Please, can all of us move, don't just stay at the cross. And I'm careful now because I know there's strange theologies around this, but don't just stay at that place where Jesus saved you. But can you say, Lord, okay, now you saved me. You died on a cross. You were in a grave. You were also resurrected. What does it mean that you're on the right hand of the Father cheering for us, sending us your spirit? What does it mean that your spirit live in and through us? And let us actively engage in God and understanding what it means to live from a place of understanding the good news of Jesus. Amen? I don't want to pray now because I want to link it with whatever Pete wants to do and how he wants to link it further. Or do you want me to pray? Okay, is that what you want me to do? Okay, cool. Okay. lord I, I I really pray that um, this will not be in information only this information will will have transformative power this morning please please let them forget everything i said that that is not led by your spirit and it it, it it doesn't carry any any transformative power and let they let everyone at you in the morning, me included, that we walk away just with such a burning desire, a heart, a weightiness of the, of the magnitude of this revelation. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me. Father, unpack it for us. Help us to water this revelation. May, may some of us respond to the gospel this morning as we receive open-heart surgery. Change us, Lord. Remind us that we're not spectators, that we, in Christ, are on the first team playing on the field for Your glory, for Your kingdom. We're not called to observe your kingdom. We're called to live in your kingdom, to be part of your kingdom, to glorify the king of the kingdom. Help us, Lord. We need you so much. Amen. Thank you. But I want to thank you and, and honor you for your sensitivity to the Spirit. And really just finding what the Lord wanted to to say to us and encourage us with this morning. I really want to thank you for that. That was a gift to each one of us.